2017 was officially the year of reckless spending at the McCorris household. You can drive out to your local dump and you can find $142 worth of very nice material located at your local dump. 2017 was the year when I spent just a little over $80 on what was perceived to be a beautiful mini donut machine. We all know where that ended up, the local dump. At the end of 2017, you'll probably remember, it was cold. Our house was just pure dry. I mean, I'm kind of an electric personality, but everywhere I was stepping, I was getting shocked. I was like, okay, we got to do something. So I went down to the local hardware store, and I said to the person, I'm like, I want you to find me the humidifier that takes no maintenance and the humidifier that is the cheapest. Great combination when you're buying something. So the individual says, oh, I've got exactly what you're looking for. Takes me up to the front section. You know that little front section where they got everything that's been on TV recently kind of thing. He's like, hey, got a great deal. $56. You buy this, well, you get one free. And it doesn't take a filter at all. I'm like, oh, finally, because all the other ones I ever had, it took a filter, and then the filter goes bad, you lose the manual, you don't know what filter to buy it from, you forget what store you bought it from, so I'm like, yes, no filter, beautiful, we'll take it, take it, buy it, it says on the box, it's like, number one rated, shark approved, I'm like, I love those guys, this has got to be great, I get it home, plug them both in, and I'm like, this is nice, my wife starts asking me, What's all that white film doing on my really nice dresser? I'm like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just water. What can water do to a nice antique dresser? <laughs> it's a nice white film. And so this nice humidifier is just producing this white film. I'm like, what is going on? So I go online. Like, I got to do some research. Read the reviews of these things. Don't buy white film everywhere. Worst purchase I've ever made. I'm thinking, this sounds really familiar to the reviews of the mini donut machine. <laughs> Today, if you need two humidifiers, drive out 41st Street West a couple of miles. You might find them. Absolute reckless spending was driven by two things, comfort and pleasure. I wanted a mini donut machine for pleasure. I wanted some nice humidifiers for comfort. That drove reckless spending. That was 2017. Most of us have no desire to be reckless. We don't want to be reckless. This morning I would contend that God is asking us to be reckless. God's not asking us to be reckless in the purchase of weird contraptions. God's acting, uh, asking us to enter into reckless pursuit of people, specifically reckless pursuit of the one in our path. I want you to hear this clearly this morning. This is not a Rich McCorris thing. This is not a King of Glory idea or thing. This is a God thing. This is true in every church, in every culture, in every year throughout history. God wants his people to be in reckless pursuit of the one in their path. 
And here's the proof. It's in Luke 15. Turn with me there. Let's look at this amazing parable that Jesus uses in Luke 15. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus is in trouble. The religious leaders are not happy with Jesus again. And they're saying, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. They're talking to Jesus and they're grumbling. They're saying, Jesus receives sinners and eats with them. What's this Jesus doing hanging out with people that are not part of the temple? What's Jesus doing hanging out with people that are far from God? And they're not happy about it. And so Jesus says, I want to talk to you religious leaders. So Jesus tells them these two stories. These two stories, I want you to see something really clearly this morning. These two stories are not about the lost in the stories. There's a lost sheep and there's a lost coin. But notice, I encourage you this afternoon, go back and read them. There's very little said about the lost sheep, very little said about the lost coin. We know nothing about them. The story talks about what? The shepherd pursuing the lost sheep, the woman seeking the lost coin. It's not about the lost, it's about the God who's searching for the lost. What, God's tr- what Jesus is trying to do here with the religious leaders, he's trying to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Your vision and your understanding of God is wrong. You've got this view of God of some accountant bookkeeper in the back corner that's like keeping track of every right and every wrong and like you're in, you're out, do this, do that. The vision of God is a reckless lover of people. The whole point of this idea of Jesus talking about this shepherd going after the the one rather than the 99 is the emphasis on the shepherd, not the lost sheep. I mean, think about this. There's humor in this. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost? No one. Right? Any farmers among us this morning, right? Okay, the value of the 99 versus the one? What do you do? You stay with the 99. Because they weren't nice little pens. They're on the mountainside running around. Most of us would look at this and what would we say about this shepherd? You know what they'd be saying in the local coffee shops in town at the tavern? Can you believe that reckless shepherd? Can you believe the recklessness of his care that he would leave the 99 for one? Jesus is is using a question here that would cause them to say, well, no, we wouldn't do that. But then Jesus says, but God would do that. That's what God does. That's the imagery God's trying to draw. This is the God who we have that would go after people that are far from God. Jesus wants to awaken religious leaders to correct the misconception of God and the purposes of God. These stories are to burn into us the heart of God, that God is a people pursuer full of joy. Check this out. Again, it just doesn't make common sense. When are they having a party in heaven? Okay? I kind of, what, when are the angels having a party? It's not this morning. There's no celebration in heaven like, oh, glad Pastor Rich made it to church this morning. Let's celebrate. The celebration in heaven is happening 
when you and I recklessly pursue the one in our path who's not here this morning. That causes celebration in heaven. And here, here's why. Here's why. Think about this a little bit. The reason there's no celebration in heaven today because of what's going on here is because we're bringing the celebration. We're bringing the honor and the glory to God as we sing and as we listen. That's the celebration right there. It's going on all the time. So the celebration in heaven happens when the church is out doing the work of Jesus Christ. So who are the lost? Who, who are the lost that we're supposed to be seeking? This is kind of a term that we throw around in the church that sometimes means nothing to a lot of people. Now, when some people think of the lost, they think of immoral. Okay, the lost are immoral. But we want to be really careful that we don't just call the lost immoral. Because you know who else is immoral? You and I. The Bible says that in Romans chapter 3, that there is no, not one righteous under the sun. We heard that in 1 Timothy chapter three, chapter 1 this morning, the Apostle Paul acknowledging that he's the greatest of sinners. Lost is not immoral. The lost are immoral, but there's immoral who are not lost. Lost is separated from God. Lost is people who are not engagement with their creator. So, so when you're talking to people, the, the issue is not, are you a good person or are you a bad person? This is where we go down weird pathways of different religion. And we give people a misconception of Christianity. Christianity is not about good, bad. Christianity is about relationship or no relationship. The question is not, are you good or bad? We already know what that is. You're bad. The question is, are you in relationship with God? The people who we're supposed to be pursuing in our path are people who are not engaged with God. are not engaged with the call of God, the purpose of God, the mission of God, the family of God. That's who the lost are. And so this morning, there's people in all of our path who are lost. And so, so I want to correct something. I think I made a mistake last week, and this completely falls on me. Pursuing the one in our path is not about driving around until you see a homeless person. Pursuing the one in your path is not about driving around until you see a homeless person. The one in your path may be materially poor. They may be materially rich. There's just as many lost doctors in this town as there are lost homeless people in this town. And so I may have given off the wrong impression last week that this, that this new mindset we're creating is all about finding people who are materially poor and seeing them in our path. Can that happen? Will that happen? Do we want that to happen? Absolutely. But it's bigger than that. The special gift that was given, the $20,000 that I hope some of you have used. Do we have money left, bookkeeper? Yes, we have money left. So after the service, if you found someone in your path, you know, see the bookkeeper outside the, the window and get those funds to be used. But those funds were meant to do this. They were meant to ignite a new mindset. Not be a program that we do once. Found the one homeless person, I've done my one for the year. No, 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 no. I have a new mindset now. 
that I live each day seeking to notice the one. When I was in college, my final year of college, some of you probably heard this, we had a house that we rented out. In that house was a garage that had all of the old couches from the dorm that people left behind. And so we thought it was a great idea. No one's using these couches. Why don't we use the couch cushions to ignite our campfire every night? And so what we would do is at the bottom of our fire pit, we would put a couch cushion, and that would ignite our fire. It was amazing. <laughs> the flames reached the electrical wires in the backyard. And since they had such good kids living in that house, the dean of the students was like, hey, I'm getting calls from the neighbors, but what's happening over there? And we were like, I don't know. But the whole point was this, the cushion was an igniter. Do you know when the best conversation happened? Do you know when life change happened? It's not when that flame was touching the electrical wire because at that moment all of us were going, oh, what did we do? <laughs> the best conversation happened when it was kind of down to the coals in 1.15 a.m. when you were just watching it go out. That's where there was life change. This $20,000, I believe, is going to be an igniter. That's going to bring life change this week and next week. But you know where the real life change is going to continue to happen? Is six months from now. 24 months from now. When we have a mindset that says, who's in my path that doesn't know God? It's not one and done. It's, this is second nature. This is second nature to us to notice the one. When I go grocery shopping, nobody has to remind me. Go to the frozen aisle and look and see if Totino's pizzas are 10 for a dollar. Okay, my cart just automatically goes there. It's just burned in me. It's part of who I am. You know what? Right now, I'd encourage you. Maybe you need a sticky note on your mirror. Maybe you need something on your phone that buzzes. In this next couple of months, we're going to be doing some fun things to remind us of this notice the one mindset. That's all just reminders because at some point it should be so burned into us that it's a part of us. Because this isn't a rich thing. This isn't a king of glory thing. This is a heart of God thing. That it's in the heart of God to notice the one. So what do I do if I notice the one? Let's review really quickly for those of you who weren't here or for those of you who were here and sleeping last week. Let's review really quickly. How do we live out this pathway of noticing the one? First is this. Pray for an opportunity. Pray for an opportunity. Every morning, God, put me in contact with one today. I think I did fairly well this last week. I hit four out of seven days. Not horrible. Not great but working towards it. You know, God put me in contact with one today. Okay, that's it. Got to burn that in our minds. Pray that every day. Put me in contact with one. Secondly, engage with people around you. Loneliness is running rampant. Last Sunday I mentioned the sermon loneliness, and, and the next day I got three articles emailed to me from people just affirming, I saw this about loneliness. Loneliness is rampant in our society because we're halfway up the stairs and we say, hey, how are you? And before they answer, we've actually gone out the door. We've got to engage with the people around you. So let me remind you of three questions that I want to encourage you to ask. These aren't from the Bible. You can do whatever you want, but here's three practical techniques. Number one, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? Number two, what are you celebrating? Number three, 
How is your stress level this week? Three questions. These are, these are not um, big theological questions. I used two of these questions this last week. Two times I said, how can I pray for you this week? Again, one of them was in a gas station with the attendant. And I asked because there's no one else behind me and there was no hurry. What did she say? She just said, I'm pregnant. I don't know what to do. Just, okay. Yeah, it wasn't, I didn't come in there and that, but it provided an opportunity. So it provided 30 seconds of conversation of me saying, oh, kids are awesome. You're going to love it. Kids are a gift. You know, my goal was just a reminder of the preciousness of the gift because she doesn't have a support system. She's like, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I just wanted a reminder of the greatness of the gift. And I said, I look forward to seeing you next week. Now I've got something to talk about. Now I'm going to follow up and say, hey, how's it going? How are you feeling? How's your health doing? Again, it's just, that's not a big question. So, are you engaging? Do you know what got Jesus in trouble? Jesus did not get in trouble because he was talking about or praying for. Jesus got in trouble because he was with. Go back up to Luke 15, 1 and 2. Why are the religious leaders unhappy? Because Jesus is eating. He's receiving sinners and eats with them. In other words, he's engaging with people. How about you? Are you engaging with people around you? After you engage with people, finally this, follow up with the one. This is not a one and done. This is an initiating relationship conversation. Now I've got an opportunity to follow up. Follow up. Go back to your community group and say, hey, pray for this person. Pray for this situation. Come back to our Ignite the One Fund and ask for some funds if you need it. You know, but follow up. Follow through. Pray, engage, follow up. This is our strategy for noticing the one. Pray, engage, follow up. Say those three with me. Pray, engage, follow up. This is it. So how did things go for you this past week? How did things go for you this past week? Some of you texted me. Some of you emailed me. And I, and I pray and I expect that God is at, God is at work. I just wanted to share a couple of, of things. I want to share a couple of quick, one quick testimony. And I got an email this, this week. And I think this highlights the necessity of being aware and being available. I was pretty sure I knew who the one was when I left church Sunday. And I thought I would share how it played out this last week. I'm not sure I can put a monetary amount to the one at this time. But I guess loving the one doesn't often involve even a penny. I love that you and the generous contributor laid out that offer, though, to not let resources be something that gives anyone pause to help the one. I met Jen about a year ago, and we wound up talking about how she grew up, her adoptive family, her struggle to get clean, and how she used to love singing, and how she hadn't found a church that felt like home yet. I invited her to come to church, and I told her I'd save her a seat. I connected her with her on Facebook. She never came. I asked her a number of times. She still hasn't come. But over the course of the last year, I would get an occasional Facebook message from her when she was struggling with the kids, pulling her hair out, feeling depressed. A while back, she messaged me how stressed out she was. They were behind on rent, only had one car, needed pull-ups, and didn't have anything. So I decided to help. She was grateful, but kept her distance after that. 
My husband and I talked about a lot of boundaries, how much to help, etc. I just kept saying that I feel like I needed to know some, needed her to know that someone cares to help her see the love of Jesus. And then about a month ago, she reached out to ask if I would watch her kids when the baby came. She apparently didn't know who to ask and trusted me. Let me just stop there for a moment. Folks, this is the world we live in, where Facebook develops trust. This isn't to put down this person at all, because people don't know any different. Only knowing through Facebook, I can trust you with my kids. She was scheduled to be induced on February 5th. Well, Wednesday night, she reached out to say that she was in early labor and asked if, if I could have the kids. So we took action quick, child-proofed our house in order to spend the day and get to know the two little kids. I guess our one was actually three, with one more on the way. She messaged me from the hospital yesterday saying, I'm just glad the kids are with people we can trust. Being available. Being willing to step out someone struggling. All of us have different testimonies in different places, and the whole point is to encourage us. That's what the church is all about. Right there. Right there. So how about you? Pray, engage, and follow up. I personally don't have any stories like, like that this week. I had one failure, one massive failure and, and one success. So I pull up to the church one night, and there's these people jumping in the dumpster. And I'm like, oh, boy, this is not what I want to deal with. How about for whatever reason, it was on my mind, okay, this might be the one. And so I'm like, I'm going to play the nice guy. So I get out of the car. I'm like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, finding some cool stuff, right? And, and so, you know, I'm just trying to, 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 play it, to play it cool. And so then I'm like, I, I've got to ask one of my three questions. And so this is a good lesson on not getting stuck in a rut. And so, and so I said to the person in the dumpster, I, I says, what successes have you had this week? <laughs> not, not a good question. Not a good question. Not a good question. Very simply response, just leave us alone. We'll be gone quick. And then the final line was this, there's nothing illegal about this. We're helping you out. Okay. Okay. That didn't go so well. Their success. I was in an accountant's office this week. I was talking with CPA. And we're just small talking. Talking, you know, about the game last week, whatever. And, and so I just said, I said, and I said, hey, what are you celebrating this week? So I just inserted that instead of, instead of saying, how are you doing? I said, what are you celebrating this week? I'm not exaggerating at all. He sat right back in his chair and wheeled back a little bit and didn't say a word. And it was awkward silence. I'm like, didn't say anything. And I have trained myself, car salesman, fundraising technique, by the way. Don't speak until they speak. So, nothing. It's the next word. I've never been asked that before. Why do you want to know that? And, at this, and I, I hadn't been asked that before, and I've asked that question, so now I'm scrambling. And so I'm like, I'm like, well, God's really interested in gladness. 
And he's kind of taken back from that. And his next phrase was this. Well, I, I go to church a little bit. And I said, well, I said, well, I said, let's just set that aside for a moment. I said, look, God's interested in our gladness. And so the reason I asked the question is I just, I just want to know. I honestly care if you're experiencing gladness in life and want to just celebrate that gladness. And he just says, I, I don't know. I got to think about it. Here's someone who makes well over $100,000 a year. Couldn't name one thing that they were celebrating. Now, I'm not saying they're depressed, they're discouraged. I'm just saying they're not in a position of gladness, though. And that's where God wants them. So here's how I finished that conversation. As I said, yeah, I said we're together in three weeks again, right? Yeah, and I said, hey, when we get together in three weeks, I said, we're going to talk about what you're celebrating. I'm not his pastor. I'm not a pastor to him at all. I'm a business associate to him. It was not offensive for me to ask him that at all. He was not offended at all. This is not to make a big deal of me at all. Not at all. I, again, we didn't pray to receive Jesus that day. We didn't get an invitation to church that day. But guess what? I just took the time to ask the question and ignite a relationship. God is at work among us and through us. This next week, will you be the one? Will you be the one that engages? Will you be the one that reaches out to one who is lost? The best testimony that I got all week was actually not someone who was reaching out to one, but it was someone that just wanted to say, I wanted to share my story of how I was one at some point. And I'm going to ask that person to maybe share with us in, in the weeks ahead to remind all of us. But I'm a church person. I'm, I'm religious on steroids. And so it's really easy for me to forget really quickly what it's like to be destined for hell. Because that's never been on my radar screen. I've heard about Jesus from the day I was born. And so that testimony is the most powerful because it reminded me of what happens when someone reaches out to the one. This next week, you and I have an opportunity to reflect the heart of God by being reckless. I want to encourage you, be reckless. Be reckless in the pursuit of the one who's in your path. This morning, as we finish this message, we're going to finish a little bit differently. I hope it's crystal clear what God wants of us, to be in reckless pursuit of the one in our path. But for a moment, I want to step back. Because you can know the command, you can hear the command, but until you experience it, it will not flow out. How many times have you ever recommended a restaurant that you have not been to? What do you have to do? 
you have to experience the greatness of that restaurant. It's not knowing that God loves you. It's not knowing that God saved you as an individual. It's experiencing it. It's receiving it so you have something to pass on. And so this morning, I believe Scripture teaches that if you and I are in a position where we have received, it's going to naturally outflow. Nobody at Pizza Inn ever had to hand me a brochure on the way out and say, tell others about me. They weren't that organized. <laughs> That's maybe why they're closed. I left there, and it just came out. Do you know where it begins this morning? It begins this morning by recognizing and understanding that you are one, that God has saved, that God's reckless love is for you as an individual. And so this morning, let's just stop right here and ask, have I received this? Have I said, God, I'm coming home to you. God, I'm going to live in your family. I'm going to live after your purposes. I know that you love me. I want to experience it. And then I got something to share. And so this morning, we're going to close with a song from the music team because music is powerful that I already mentioned. The music team, I'm going to ask them to come forward now. The music team is going to sing this song, Reckless Love. The whole song is just declaring truths about God, that God knew you, that God formed you. Before you were even thought about by your parents, God knew you. This isn't me saying this. The Bible says this. The Bible says that God knit you together in your mother's womb. That before you were born, God had a plan for your life. Not what kind of car you're going to drive, where you're going to work. God had a plan to save you through the blood of Jesus Christ. God knows you. And guess what? Here's the good news. And hear this. He knows everything about you. You know that it scares the dickens out of me? If you knew everything about me. Does it scare you if someone knows everything about you? But here's the really good news. Knows everything about you and loves you. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. He knows your faults. He sees your faults. And he says, I love you. You're forgiven. This morning, hear and experience the reckless love of God and simply say, God, I want to be your child. God, I want to follow after you. Who knows what the right words are to say? Just say, God, I love you. I trust in Jesus Christ. That's where it all begins. And so this morning, let's listen to this song. And as they sing the chorus, let's join in on the chorus. And as we hear it, let's declare together this reckless love of God that he has for us and he has for the world. Let's listen to this song.